We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. I still don't have a voice, and the Yankees have swept the Boston Red Sox. Up is down, down is up. Every single week, it's a new feeling with this team. This is a good feeling, though, and I think you said it last episode that, hey, what if they just go and take the wild card that's a good feeling right if they if they because now they control their own destiny for the wild card home field at least that's the best they can do i saw a quote from garrett cole over the weekend the best we can do at this point is achieve home field in the wild card so that's what our sights are set on and the only chance i think that they had to do that was to sweep the red sox and wasn't pretty at times this weekend but that's what they did but my god was it exciting my god was it exciting i i talked i kept talking about you know, scorched earth and in a way that the Yankees have to do this to, uh, to, to get to the promised land really. And I mean, judge was, was good. Stanton was on freaking believable. The man was on a different planet than everybody else. I mean, the, I actually, I got to tell you something. I enjoyed the broadcast last night. Maybe that was because I was in a good mood because oh, things were happening you, on the did field. Did you like the inning they spent talking about the 2004 ALCS? That they're not still, that part of it. No, no, no it's not like, that part. Come of on, it. like we get it. A Rod and Ortiz, they were on those teams. They do this buddy buddy thing every yes. single. It's like shut up already. All right. Yes. Besides that, I was really more talking to like the A Rod commentary. I'm so very critical usually of him, but he had he a would, couple good calls. Like he was talking in game stuff when he's talking about like playing baseball. That's where he's absolutely in his wheelhouse because he knows the game inside and out. Nobody has ever disputed that. It's just the dumb antics that come with it. He was saying a lot of interesting things last night. um, That I I think he's actually like when you boil it down, he actually like you said, 
He's a smart baseball mind. I'm not going to look. Were, I'm not going to go. I, I said enough enough complimentary things about him. That's, when he, that's okay. That's as far the as Ty, I know. the Tyler Wade play when DJ LeMahieu was up and and Vescurgeon asked A Rod, "Would you send the runner here?" It was three one, and A Rod said no because DJ takes a lot of pitches, even on three one, and you don't want to risk the strikeout. DJ's a contact guy regardless. So 3-2, easy. Boom, you send him. DJ's going to make contact in that situation. And then if Tyler Wade slides, he's probably safe. But because Tyler Wade's a freaking buffoon, he doesn't slide and he just runs into an out. It's it, just stupid. It actually, he stopped before he tried to slide. Let's get, he 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 definitely got duped by something, which whatever. I'm not dwelling on that because it was uh, it was a bad play. He slowed down because he saw something before he even got to the back. So it wasn't even the fact that he was he was not prepared to slide because he was sliding down because he thought the play was over for, for some reason. How about you just run fast through the bag? Just go to the bag, slide, stand up on the bag, find out what happened. Um, anyway, the scorched earth happened. Giancarlo Stanton happened. Eighth innings happened. And this Yankees team was fun to watch. I mean, Stanton, when, when he hit those the, the ball on, um, on Friday night, he, it was, uh, it was a, a hell of a shot, the three-run shot that he hit. And then Sunday night was um, just uh, like he demoralized. It was he, funny. He, I, I he laughed out loud. Huh? I laughed out loud when he hit the home run yeah, on Ottavino. I, I could feel it. I could <laughs> feel the ball uh, going over the over the over the Fenway monster. And I'm just I'm just so happy that it was against Ottavino because that was the frustration that I'm I felt to feel for the bad last for year. And a half. To be honest, I'm starting to I feel don't. bad for the guy. I uh, I tweeted uh, John Carlos Stanton just took Adam Adovino's soul. He did. He took his soul. It was it was I mean, it was what I don't know what Statcast had that one at, but you know, with along with the ESPN mics that they have that are that are all hopped up on the bats on Sunday night, which I think are fun. It it legitimately felt like it was the hardest ball that has ever been hit in the in the uh, in the history of mankind. That that's what it felt like to me, and it got out of the the ballpark so fast. And I love the fact that it goes over the Fenway Monster. Uh, I think it's a uh, it's it's just a beautiful sight seeing that. And dem- having everybody runs, was demoralized. Home runs clearing the monster seats and the and the signs and everything. It's one of the cooler home run backdrops in baseball because the ball just disappears into the night. It is yeah. really cool, especially when it's when it's your guy hitting it and not, not someone from the Red Sox. But what did you think of the point? I think Buster only made it where it's like, I think he said on the broadcast, um, uh, Stanton could hit game-winning home runs, and then the next night, if he doesn't advance a base runner, he gets booed. And did, did I? That's too far. It's too far. First of all, that's just not true. That that's just someone who hasn't been around and hasn't doesn't have like the actual. I think actual it's just pulse. hyperbole. I mean, and yeah, yeah, it's bullshit. Stanton gets booed more than the average player. Certainly more than Judge. If you're just comparing Judge to Stanton, he gets booed more than Judge does. Judge doesn't get booed. That's right. He doesn't get booed. I mean, that's it's it goes back to the Yankees fans don't boo homegrown players. Correct. I mean, they they booed they've booed Glaber. I know he's not technically homegrown. He's not homegrown. He but he came through the minor league system. No, he's not homegrown. It's different. It's just, it is what it is. You either are or you aren't. The, the, they boost Gary Sanchez <laughs> because yes, he's well, become Gary Sanchez is the baseball player. But, and he's also not, it's not the homegrown thing. It's Aaron, it's an Aaron Judge thing. It, that's the difference. And, and whatever, like, look, the, the, the comment, all, all it, all it does is again, tells me that there's a lack of a pulse of what's happening on a daily basis. When he gets, when he gets booed, it's because of elongated stretches of the Yankees playing badly as well. 
That That is more so to the point. And then also, he goes through sometimes during the regular season, these long stretches of just absolute, like, you're, you're shaking your head, looking at him like, how how is this guy possibly the same person? I don't understand it. Um, but he's got that, they were talking about that Andy Pettit stare, the 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 lock-in, it's me against the world. Um, well, I, I think love, Stan's I been a it. completely different player ever since he started playing the outfield. And I know he was DHing a couple games this weekend, but... Just overall, his entire demeanor and mentality and performance has changed since he's played the outfield a bit. And I think when he was only DHing, it it was a mental thing with him. And he even talked about it. It's like, I go 0 for 4, it's all I can do. I can't do anything else to help my team win if I'm not playing the field. Even if no balls hit to you when you're in right field, you're at least out there contributing in some way. And that's that's a mental thing. Well, the man contributed because even on Saturday night when they when uh, when Cora and we'll talk about the the manager games because I thought they were interesting in how Cora and Boone were kind of going back and forth. Saturday night, Cora did not make a good move, bringing in the lefty to face Rizzo, um, and then you know obviously hitting Rizzo, which I I, I understand you want to bring lefty on lefty because that's the traditional move, but with Rizzo, his splits are are good against lefties. He crowds the box so much that that hit by pitch is is very much in play. And you can't take this man out with Giancarlo Stanton on on deck, standing there, uh, ready to ready to pounce with the bases loaded. And he wasted no time. And another demoralizing uh, shot uh, out of the out of Fenway Park that was just massive, massively clutch. The man was massively clutch all weekend. The to, he hit the, the the grand slam. It was more towards center field. It was left center, hitting it over everything in left center field of Fenway Park is a freaking bomb because it's like. 375 to that part of the wall and then it's another 38 feet in the air plus all the stands and everything that thing that is a missile and that's the risk when you're Cora to bring in a lefty to face Rizzo with the three batter minimum you have it's an it's a chips in the middle of the table play because there's two outs in the inning you absolutely have to get Rizzo and if you don't you're facing Stanton with a left-handed reliever who threw a batting practice fastball belt high like yeah, that's what should happen when you throw a meatball to Giancarlo Stanton with the bases loaded, especially when he's locked in. When he's not locked in, he probably pops that up. But when he's locked in, that thing goes 480 feet. Yeah, when he's locked in and it's over the plate, I'm not, I mean, I'm not throwing that guy anything anything below, around the belt, anything below the letters. No fastballs. There should be a strict, if, if I'm an opposing team, there's it, I have a strict no fastballs policy to judge and Stanton when they're, when they're going. The fact that Adam Adovino actually threw judge and... Uh, Adovino got screwed in that judge at bat because he got him out twice with the pop up to to Dabak. Cowboy Joe West. Cowboy Joe West. Awful. Shh, I, I mean, Awful this was night. two years ago. We were talking about the fact that him being out there is is just it's an a liability. For it's MLB. a liability to the it's game bad. of baseball. It's like you can't have these umpires who just make these horrendous calls, especially calls that can't be over that can't be replayed. Cowboy Joe West needs to be out of the league. We said this two years ago. There's no reason for this guy to be on the field making actual decisions on a baseball diamond that that have implications of the game itself. It's embarrassing. When, I mean, you change the course of the game. We've been saying this for for a while. It's not like it's been a, a, a recent thing. The man is a liability. The man fell on somebody, a major league baseball player, and could not get up years ago. This is it's craziness. So the fact that he's out there, judge gets. Two lives essentially. The the fly ball that Dalbach completely screws up after fly ball after fly ball were screwed up by the Yankees. It was just a, what a mess of an ending that was. And then he strikes out foul tip, and Joe West calls it 
uh, uh, that um, that he dropped the ball, the catcher dropped the ball, when in fact it was on the transfer. He clearly caught it and was trying to transfer the ball. It was... It was egregious, and we saw what happened. You know, the the um, Adovino got completely screwed. He got completely screwed, but he also threw Judge a fastball right down the middle of the plate, which ended up being the the go ahead double. So I don't know why he threw him a fastball because he got ahead of him on two strikes by throwing him sliders in the dirt. So it's just questionable. I mean, we saw that from Adovino for for two seasons. Just this is what he does. This is what he does. He either walks you or he'll throw a cookie, and and you'll get. You'll get destroyed. That's what Adovino does. That's why he's absolutely infuriating. Those frisbees that go across the plate, normally he can't control them. Uh, and then he just gives up big hits. I'm so glad so, he's not on the Yankees. That made he, me happy. It's my, he, I had a, like a, a little bit of, a, of, a, of an evil smile when that happened. Yeah, so you want to say that the Yankees got lucky? Okay, fine. But they also took advantage of the luck because plenty of times this season they haven't been able to take advantage of, of the gifts that other teams have given them. And they gave the Red Sox a gift in, in, in the the previous inning LeMahieu and Gallo both dropping balls I mean so it was a gift it was, it was a gift exchange basically they <laughs> it was re- a gift the exchange in the inning Every, yeah essentially everybody was uh was was dropping fly balls they were talking about the elements not being there would you say to you said before we recorded four four yeah uh, four miles per hour wind someone, was it swirling something, something had to have been up the 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 foul balls in the infield are a lot harder than the Gallo one. The Gallo one is just inex- none of them are excusable. You're a major league baseball player. You got to catch foul balls. But the Gallo one, I, that's a lazy fly ball to left center field. I don't know what the heck happened. I mean, I, the ball was trailing. It, I don't. Th- I think it became harder on his end. It doesn't matter. Everybody, all three of those balls are caught in in ninety nine percent of the time. Dahlback didn't know where he was on the field. He doesn't understand that when dirt starts, you get that much closer to the fence. And, the, you know, the same distance from when the dirt starts is the same every single night. Someone should tell him that. Someone should measure that and tell him the distance from dirt to wall. Um, but that was a that was a gift. And then LeMahieu is just, the ball came back from, you know, over the state. Like it, it had spin on it or the, I don't know what the hell happened there, but just a strange play. He has been shaky with fly balls in the past, LeMahieu, I will say that. He made really nice plays at third base, though. I Very nice like plays. The the last inning of Montgomery, he Montgomery was actually kind of lucky not to give up any runs because he gave up a couple hard hit balls, and the double play was a missile. And if not for the double play, he would have given up runs because he gave up two hits after that. But yeah, uh, DJ made a really nice uh, start to a double play on a ball. Um, he, that, that also that play up the line, he had no business getting that or throwing the runner out. I mean, it was. It was beautiful. Yeah, and did you see he had an MRI or there was a report um, that, yeah, he had an MRI on an injured hip groin area. Said he's been uh, feeling discomfort for a while. Um, I don't know what a while means. Does that mean weeks? Does that mean months? Like, it could be a reason. Yeah. Isn't he the guy that says nothing? Uh, Yeah, of course. He's not going to use an injury as an excuse, but we've kind of, it's not been the same DJ LeMahieu this year. Well, right. And if it's this, if there's some kind of a nagging hip, groin, midsection injury that can certainly affect and how you can turn on a ball or, uh, you know, just just do certain things with uh, on the baseball field, that's a pretty important area, I'd say. So it makes sense. It checks out. To, to be honest, if this is something that's been nagging him for a while, it makes makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make sense that he just all of a sudden becomes a different baseball player. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping this is... Uh, this was something that he's been just kind of dealing with and not really talking about much. 
And I, I was joking. It's like that that seventh inning was the most 2021 Yankees inning of all time with the with the pitching changes to start the inning. Clay Clay Holmes was looked unhittable. Nasty. Looked unhittable. And and then Cora pinch hits Shaw lefty, so it's lefty on righty. And the Yankees uh, apparently are are slaves to the to the platoon splits, and they're avoiding Clay Holmes versus a left-handed batter like the plague. I saw some stats that um, uh, I think this was tweeted by Mike Petriello that left-handed batters hit Clay Holmes hard. Part of why he looks so good in New York is he rarely faces left-handed batters, only about twenty percent of the time. So this is something that they're really avoiding. And Boone, as A. Rod said, took the bait and pinch uh, or brings in Joely Rodriguez. Then they put in. Um, Iglesias, who gets a hit off of Joel Ray, then the bunt, and it's just like then there was a bunt, then there were drop pop ups, like after a manager exchange, and of course Boone doesn't come out on top in the manager exchange between him and Cora. Works out for the Yankees in the end of the game, but in that inning, I'm like, oh my god, this just boils down. What's wrong with the Yankees in one inning? It's a stupid manager and it's poor defense. I mean, if you, if you go back to it for. Uh... I'm going to back up Boone a little bit, not because he's a good manager, but because the other manager makes dumb thing, dumb decisions too. The night before, Cora cost them the game by bringing in the left-handed batter and and, and facing uh, facing Stanton. It was it was a very risky decision, and and it completely backfired in his face, and they lost the game because of it. So th- these are these things are going to happen to me. That one, I mean, w- when you look at your options out of the pen, and then you see a guy like uh, Clay Holmes, who was just unhittable in the inning that he came in. He was in the dugout, had the jacket on. You could tell was still in the in like the mode to come back in. You could tell that he was preparing to go back in there. And and Cora didn't want any part of it. Like the basically the end of the day, Cora made that pitching change by doing the things he did. He was sacrificing Shaw to get to uh you know the the bullpen where where he saw that they had the the two uh lefties up in the pen at the time. So Cora made that decision. It was not Boone. Cora made that decision and Boone just went along with it. To me, you got to take, you got to keep Clay Holmes in there. Forget the splits. Look at what's in front of you, and understand that this man was on a different planet right then. The the movement on the ball, uh, Buster only on the broadcast last night came out of absolutely nowhere. It was with his squeaky voice. Did you see the the movement on that ball? Like out of absolutely nowhere. I felt like we hadn't heard from him in like two innings, and then all of a sudden, there's like oh, a Mike, oh, his mic is on, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, he the but they replayed the the. The pitch and yeah, it looked like a wiffle ball. I mean, the ball ran back in on on whoever was up the hands, uh, and it was nasty. The guy, the guy had some stupid movement. Uh, so I would have definitely stayed with him. It worked out. It's fine. It is what it is. But these are the things that if Aaron Boone can't read a situation and and identify what in that moment, yeah, you know, what I mean, feels like the right thing. That's that's where some of these problems are, you know can come into play. But again, scorched earth takes care of all of that. It's that situation. I don't think that Boone or anyone on the Yankees coaching staff or analytics, whoever you think is making the call there, I don't think they have confidence in anyone in that bullpen enough to ignore what the splits say. Right? Because you're saying use use your eyes, just stick with him because he's going well. And that's ignoring the splits. And I think there's certainly guys that you can ignore splits for. Right? Like, when Chad Green is vintage Chad Green, you're just ignoring splits. When Chapman is it is vintage Chapman, or when Britain was on his game, it's like you're not looking at splits. You're just putting you don't the look best at splits guy out for there. Chapman. He goes in the ninth inning, and you okay, pray but to God. so so you know what I'm saying. 
Um, and, and going back to A-Rod, man, he did have a good broadcast last night. He said Joe Torre never had to worry about splits with Mariano Rivera. It's, you could you could have uh, you could have King Kong at the plate, and Mariano Rivera is going to break his bat and get a ground ball to second base. So it doesn't matter. Good job, A-Rod, the the greatest reliever of all time history that's ever played the game, unanimous Hall of Famer. That is that is that is a comment. But the point is, some guys you ignore splits for. Others, guys, you don't ignore splits for. I don't think Clay Holmes is good enough to ignore splits, even though last night he may have been good enough. But but they're not going to make that decision. Boone's not going to make thing. that decision. That's the thing. That's that's what you're paid to do. You're paid to, in the moment, make that decision. That's not what Boone is paid to do. Boone that's is what paid every to manager follow is paid the, to do. N- not anymore. <laughs> no, that's I, I'm, I'm not following that narrative anymore. It's not well, in well, September how are you 27th. Not following the, that how, how are you not following that narrative of, of what we've seen over the past four, five, six years in baseball? Because like, of, look at, because look of at where what we are. happened in the World Series last year. Kevin Cash pulled a guy who I, gave I'm not one hit Cash because doesn't. of splits. I, I no, I understand that it's a very real thing, and they're using it on on a on a at bat by at bat. But in that moment, also when you know where your bullpen is and you know who the other two guys out there, you you need to be able to make that decision and understand that your splits are telling you. To go to Jolie Rodriguez, or Is to it keep Jolie or Joelli, Jolie to keep in uh, to keep in Chase Holmes, who was throwing the ball like he was Sandy Koufax. I mean, that's that's just use your eyes. It doesn't matter. This this it, they it worked out. I'm just saying we're gonna have these moments again, and and he better make the right decision. And I just that's where my confidence level is uh, is, well, is not there. Like Adovino, Joel, I think it's Joel. Let's just call him Rodriguez. Rodriguez got screwed as well. He should have been out of that inning with two pop-ups. Okay? Yeah, fine. It worked out still. I'm just saying, when I'm looking at the guy, still I'm, I'm going with him. Jordan Montgomery has, it leads the Yankees in starts with three runs or fewer this season. Uh, not what I would have guessed, but I, I I know he doesn't go as deep into games as, as certainly Cole, um, but but he we mentioned this recently like he's quietly had a very very solid season. Yeah, he's been dependable, and when you see this, it doesn't surprise me to the to the to the sense because when you're out there watching a Jordan Montgomery start, you just feel like you're in a ball game. Like he gives you that 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 sense of like, all right, you know, if the offense does remotely their job tonight. The Yankees have an opportunity to win the game. At least Jordan Montgomery is going to keep us in it. And that's, that's what he is. That I, I like, I like him as, as that calming, uh, that calming guy in the, you know, the middle of the, of the rotation, especially for something, you know, a playoff series, he changes it up. He's a very different look, uh, than, than any of the other guys too. And he's just been able to avoid a lot of damage. And he, he seemingly is one of those guys too, that just feels like he, once he gets into the groove of a game, and he gets into the flow of it, and he gets his, you know, his repertoire uh, going well, and he's able to to change pitches with confidence. <laughs> he's tough to hit. Yeah, the rotation is interesting. So um, the Yankees are they flip flop Cole and Kluber. So Cole is going to pitch on Wednesday against the Blue Jays. Tyon's making his return um, from the IL to pitch uh, Tuesday against the Blue Jays. But the fact that uh, Cole pitches Wednesday on normal rest means they could actually pitch him Sunday if they need to get into the playoffs um, or just push him to the wild card game. At this point, there's no excuse for you have to, for having to pitch Garrett Cole in the final weekend of the season. You now control the home field wild card 
destiny. Okay. You can't fuck it up at this point. You win your games. You get Cole on his normal schedule and he's pitching at Yankee Stadium against the Red Sox or the Blue Jays on next Tuesday, Tuesday's wildcard game. Anything less than that is kind of a failure at this point. Well, I mean, yeah, the playoffs are in two series, so you have to win the games, especially against Toronto. When you look at, we'll see where they are going into to the series against uh, against Tampa. They could certainly screw it up still. Tampa's not not going to mail it in. They're a good team top to bottom. They have a lot of young guys out there who are playing well, pitching well. They're going to play well against the Yankees. So the Yankees needed to just continue to do what they're doing against Toronto. Toronto knows that they're they're up against it. They lost two to the Minnesota Twins. Thank you, Minnesota. Minnesota is just like, you know, pocket out. Minnesota's holding our pocket, walking through, walking through life, walking through life, laying down when we're there. And, and when you're going up against our, our, uh, our enemies of the people that we're going up against, you do your job, you do your job, you do your job, Minnesota. And they do it. They listen. They listen really well. I'm really proud of them. Helping the Yankees since 2003. So I, I, a couple of injury updates. Judge did dislocate his pinky on the slide into second after his Thank double. Call that, call that in real time. Yeah, dislocated got, pinky, popped it back in, wrapped Dr. it up, Renan. go back out. That was a, that was a Dr. Renan special. Twitter has a timestamp. And, and apparently, uh, I saw this from the New York Post, so take it with all of the grains of salt, that, that Glaber was um, whatever banged up because Giancarlo Stanton high-fived him too hard. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you know, he got a little dazed and confused because he caught. I mean, a, how how soft do you have to be? I mean, look. First of all, I mean, Stanton, you know how Stanton, Judge Stanton's look. A judge, scary man. Judge and Stanton jump really high when they do when they do that high five like Bash Brothers thing. Mm-hmm. And if you if you are in his path after that, especially after the 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 adrenaline of him hitting little, that home run, little you, bat flip, he was fired up. You got to be you got to be ready for impact because that is a big strong man who does yoga with instagram models he is he is in the moment not really understanding what he's doing like out of body experience if you're in his way and you're getting high five you're celebrating you are definitely taking your your health at risk at this point <laughs> the when he jumps like that he's used to it. so if you're if you're in the wrong position and you're catching some hand that forearm could connect with a head connect with your neck your shoulder and so, and then all of a sudden you're completely screwed up. So collateral Glaber, damage right there. You gotta you gotta be careful. Glaber strikes me as someone who bruises like a peach. So so I expect there's a giant bruise on his forearm to this morning. Yeah. I think some guys think some guys connected with his head. Some guys hard bodies, other guys soft bodies. I think Glaber's a soft body guy. When he was out there, it looked like he was like his eyes were fluttering into the back of his head a little bit at the uh and to, to his credit, he made contact with the with the next pitch. <laughs> And drove it out to right field. I was impressed that he did that because it looked like he was about to pass out almost. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that he got concussed by a, a Stanton forearm. If you're Stanton, you got to know who on the team can handle your forearm. Nah, nah, adrenaline at that point, it's on everybody else to get the hell out of the way or or do it in a way that is protecting yourself. Who are the guys on the team that can handle a Giancarlo full power forearm bash? No problem. Like Judge, obviously. Judge, Voight. And I think Gardner, I think at this point, Gardner, Gardner definitely could old man strength. He's strong. His core is strong. He's ready for it. He's giving it back as hard as he can too. He knows. Yeah. He knows like what Gard- that impact does. Gardner chops wood in South Carolina all winter specifically to handle Giancarlo's forearm bashes. 
Yeah, Gary. I think Gary can handle it. He's thick enough to handle something like that. He yeah, just Gary kinda... can take some blows. He's and you know, you know what they say. <laughs> you know what they say that uh, like the highest percentage of of like surviving a car crash is if you're asleep or if you're like just really yeah. loose. If your body's relaxed. Gary said to us, "It's just like y'all word," and just goes up there and just has a nice relaxed. Uh, you know, it it takes the takes the impact pretty well. But uh, mm. Gallo definitely no problem there. Nope. Gallo's a thin guy though. He's six five, six six. He's no, I know massive. he's six five, six six. Two fifty. But like, just looking at him in a in a baseball uniform compared to Judge instead. When when judges get like when he was fired up and he did his fist pump thing, like it just looks different out there. Like obviously, but like when you see him and Stanton really pumped up and their muscles are like bulging through, you're like, oh right, these guys are different species. <laughs> they're, they're massive human beings. Yeah. They are, they are from a Because you're a not used world. to seeing it on a baseball field. Like football, um, we, when you're watching a football game, you don't realize everyone's 6'6 six, because everyone's 6'6. Six, six, so it's just like, oh yeah, that's how tall the guys are. But like, they could be all six feet. They're all six. But when it's judge and sit and, and everyone, they're three, four, five inches taller than everyone else, it, it's a lot more obvious. But yeah, found it funny. Hopefully uh, no issues. And also Gallo was hit, hit in the shin, which just, I mean, that's gotta, that's gotta kill. I mean, out of you know, through that ball, shin. you could tell he was still thinking about the last thing that took his soul, and and you know everything. Uh, it might he might retire from baseball. The it was a it was they say ninety eight on the gun. Does out of you know throw ninety eight miles per hour? That's what I said about Michael King like two weeks yeah. ago. Like I don't know what's going on with the guns in Major League Baseball anymore. I feel like Either everything way. is ninety eight miles an hour. Ninety five, ninety eight, still gonna hurt when it hits you. It hit him right on the shin bone, just above the pad. So you know he's gonna have a welt in the in the morning. Hopefully. Nothing else, you know, the last thing we need to hear is an MRI machine. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a couple mailbag questions before we wrap this thing up. This one's from Andy Guzman. Scott, as I'm reading this, I want you to guess when this was sent. Hey guys, I love the show. I just wanted to say that the big problem with the Yankees fan that the Yankees fans have is high expectations. This team is roller coaster, 
If they win a game, let's take the emotion of it and enjoy it. If they lose one, shit happens and move on. If they somehow make it to the playoffs, seize the moment. We must finally accept the Yankees are now a middle-of-the-table team. Yeah, this was this was after the first loss. Um, this was uh, after the Cleveland series. Uh, this was actually, yeah, it was sent after, uh, I believe, after one game against Texas. So, yes, this Yankees team is, is up and down. But again, when they get hot, watch out. And uh, the league knows that. The thing is, the league knows that. And as we've been identifying and seeing how this thing comes out, like the way that they're setting up, everybody's getting back healthy right now, knock on wood. These pitchers are all coming back. Severino, yeah, Severino, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I was talking to someone, I was at a wedding this weekend, and I was talking to a Yankees fan, and he's like, is Severino just a bullpen guy forever, like going forward? Because I know it's a very short sample, but like he does play in the bullpen nicely. Well, uh, you know, uh, Michael and uh, and and Susan did not want to take him out of the bullpen ever. They they thought that was one John of the dumbest moves. Michael and Susan. John Michael, and Susan. Oh my Jesus Christ, I'm having a seizure right now. John and Susan did not want to take him out. It was mostly Susan talking about it. The, um, but yeah, no, he he does play well. No, of course you have to bring, take him back into the because we we saw what he could be. Yeah, we saw he, what he his, was for his ceiling is 2018. I think third in the Cy Young. Like, yeah. no, you take that every day of the week. And yes, I mean, as soon as he looked good Garrett again, Cole, as soon as Garrett Cole signed on the dotted line in after the you know before the 2020 season, before the pandemic and everything, we were we were all dreaming of a Cole Severino one two punch in the postseason. That's what we were dreaming of, and that's what could happen next year. But it doesn't matter, Severino. Severino is is pitching. Uh, he pitched well again, um, but they're they're lining up four, like if, four strikeouts in two innings. Yeah, Kluber on his last start again started to like. You started to see some of these these things that you really like from from Corey Kluber, and and he doesn't need to be a six seven inning guy really anymore because the way that the there is there are there are arms coming back into the bullpen. They have the ability to to take it. Uh, do you know what they have? After that, but do you know what they have? They have a lot of bulk guys. You like that? You, you, I know you're a fan of the bulk term when talking about a relief pitcher or just a pitcher in general, because Nestor Cortez is really a bulk, a bulk guy. And I think Tyon, at when whatever he comes back to be, he's not going to work his way back to being a five or six inning pitcher. He'll be a bulk guy, meaning he'll throw sixty five pitches or whatever. And whether that's innings one through three or innings three through six, you're shaking your head no. But like. I'm shaking my head no because because Tyone, I mean, his first start might be 65. They're not going to throw him out there less than 65. And then second start, you ramp up. I mean, he'll be he could pitch into the seven, sixth, seventh I, inning if you wanted to by his second start, third start. I don't. I mean, his second start will be his last start of the regular season, and that yeah, will come so in the next playoffs, weekend if, against Tampa. If, I think if they do make it to a playoff series, you're going to see Cole. In it won't be game one because he'll have to pitch. Cole will have to have pitched. Kluber, you'll see game. Kluber then if it lines up. Over Montgomery with how Montgomery I think has so. because of the way that the yeah I think so the way the way that Kluber has I mean he's got the the pedigree he's got the experience in the playoffs I think that I just told you Montgomery leads the team in in starts of this season of three or fewer runs like he's been actually the most consistent that's that's great but Corey Kluber is also Corey Kluber and that that holds weight I think in uh, in a clubhouse I think they would throw him out there as a number one guy okay. 
So then Kluber in Plus the first that, game, you know, putting Montgomery in that second spot even just alleviates a little bit of pressure than the than the, the very first one. And and I think Kluber Kluber is is definitely um, no, I'm not worried about that Kluber's pressure. pressure. Uh, I, I guess you also have to decide who you want pitching a potential game five. Montgomery. I know everyone's available, but who do you want starting a potential game five? Yeah. Uh, so you, the point is, however you line it up, the starting pitchers are Cole, Kluber, Montgomery. And then I think the last game is a little bit of an amalgamation of Nestor Cortez, Jameson Tyon, Domingo Herman, maybe Luis, like it, Luis Severino. It's not going to be one guy, is what I'm saying. For that, for fourth, game four, you're saying. Yeah. For game four. Right. Uh, unless, yeah, unless uh, they're they're pulling somebody back after a short inning of of the, you know, game one, some or a short outing on game one. But you're right, Tyone. But Tyone, I, I think will be by that point, he should be able to start the game, like like any other. And you and Do you, you want him, him starting until... a game over Nestor Cortez, like Nestor Cortez, two times through the order. I'm good with. I'm cool with Nestor Cortez two times through the order. Right, but the thing is with Nestor Cortez is I'm I'm confident with him. Starting the game or coming in in relief as well because he's done both and he's he's had success in both. So I'm less worried about where Nestor Cortez comes in, and if it's a guy like Tyone who's been a starter all year, has you know the the mentality of a starting pitcher, has his routines. I would rather him start and Nestor come in uh, because again, I think Nestor has the ability to to do well in both cases. I don't think it matters as much with him. I'm right. not so that's not a knock on Nestor Cortez by any means. It's just more of a it's actually it's actually a positive because I think he's he's got the he's got a better ability to come out of the pen and do well. We got a mailbag question from Josh Pena, and I think he's trolling us a little bit. He says, "I'm a Mets fan. However, I love your analysis about the Yankees. Both teams could have a new manager next year. The Yankees need to hire a Joe Judge type personality as their manager because they need a winning mentality. What? Go New York baseball. <laughs> Joe Judge uh, comes from the zero three New York Giants." Uh, I believe he, the Giants, I think, I, did Dom say this, that the Giants have the worst record in the National Football League since like 2015 or something like that? Like, the Giants are a disaster. They they can't have a worse record than the Jets. Maybe it was in the NFC. Because <laughs> all I got to do is throw the Jets into that into that little, uh, <coughs> that little quote and completely screw it up. It's not that difficult. It's the Jets. It's worse. Much worse. I don't know. I think the Jets... Have I know the Jets are a disaster, but I feel like they won like six games a couple years, right? Yeah, I think uh, when you look at them now, they're still like they're going to be bad this year. I think a lot of people knew that they were going to be bad. Everybody knew that they were going to be bad. I was hoping for a little bit better, but they're very they're the youngest team in the NFL. I don't know why we're talking about football now, but Jacob Page says I've done a little bit of research and believe the bad that batting is the big problem with the Yankees, even though Cashman's historical weakness is pitching. As I'm writing this after Game 2 against Texas, so again, this mailbag question is from a little while ago, the Rays have the third most strikeouts in Major League Baseball with 1,452. The Yankees are sixth with 1,338. Not a huge difference over 150 games. However, Tampa has outscored the Yankees 811 to 661. Tampa is second in the majors and the Yankees are 19th. The big reason for the offensive disparity is in my view, is double plays. The Yankees have hit into the second most in baseball with 146. The Nationals have 148. The Rays, by contrast, have hit into the least double plays with 67. Is this an approach issue or is it the roster construction? Would love for you guys to discuss that because the Rays, with far less money, are getting the job done and these stats do not lie. He's, cheers, Jacob Page from Christchurch, New Zealand. I mean, 67 to 146 is a very big difference. Yeah, but uh, this is this is actually very... It, it's strange. 
I think this is a bit of a strange stat for the Yankees this year, the, the double plays, because traditionally they're not hitting the ball on the ground that much. They're, they're, they, they're no, getting right. the ball. Usually they're more launch angle, but this year a lot of their guys have hit the, on the ground more. Like even Stan has hit the ball on the ground more. Judge has hit the ball on the ground more. Gary, uh, Gary, I think, was the only guy who wasn't hitting the ball on the ground more. And we talked about LeMahieu. He's still hitting the ball on the ground the same clip, but it was the hard the the uh, hard contact on the ground that was down. So the his balls are not finding holes anymore as, as frequently. Yeah, that could be a, a hip or midsection issue when you're not mm. being, being able to generate power or and speed. And even through Joey your... Gallo, who was apparently immune to double plays before joining the Yankees, is grounded into a handful with the Yankees. Yeah, so I, I do think that when you look back at this year and you see those numbers of, for double plays, one, it's it's absolutely... It's absolutely a critical stat because that means there were runners on. And when you uh, when you have the disparity of the, the the run differential and you see the how many outs were taken off the or how runners were taken off the board with two outs, uh, two outs double plays, then yeah, that's a big deal. That is a big deal, and that will lead to a lot less runs. They haven't been. First of all, I gotta say this. I, heard, I just thought of something as I was talking. If there's an approach difference, and you know, launch angle, launch angle, getting the ball up in the air. And the the type of baseball that I love, which is more gap to gap, has there is there an adjustment? Has there been a, a, a little bit of an adjustment? And we just saw an extreme of the adjustment where where guys were trying to level out their swing a little bit, and instead of hitting gap to gap, we just saw overcorrections and more ground balls, uh, too many ground balls. Because the last month, I don't have the numbers in front of me how many double plays they've hit into. Doesn't feel like they've hit into you know a mind numbing amount of double plays. Feels like they've been hitting a lot more gaps and a lot more of uh you know a lot more line drives um well aaron boone did famously say that good teams hit into a lot of double plays but uh yeah i mean i would i would guess just from the eye test that they're the frequency at which they hit into double plays has decreased but they're still hitting into a fair amount of double plays it's because they do get a lot of base runners they still walk a lot and i think i think also they take the most pitches of anybody in the but league, also, they're, I mean, they're still they up have, in that, that category. They have a lot of right-handed hitters who are not the fastest down the line, so they're going to get into a fair amount of double plays. I think that's just the roster. I think this is approach and roster. The answer to, to the question is both. It's, it's approach and roster construction. I also think that the beginning of this year, the first half of this year, when the offense was just... Uh, uh, nobody, you couldn't, you couldn't explain why they were as bad as they were. There was nothing to explain it. There was nothing there to explain it. That that's that's part of this. This this whole team was not hitting for a long time. We could we could shit on Aaron Boone all we want about a lot of different things, and most of it's very well deserved. But this team in the first half of the season just wasn't hitting, right? Except for a couple people, they were just were not hitting. They were hitting soft cut. They were doing things that they don't normally do. So why ever whatever that was the whatever the reason was for that to happen. It was uh it was just it was just very different and very bad and there and there wasn't a lot to explain. But I don't think it was exactly who they are, not offensively at least. Okay, last question before we close this out is from Joe Morton. Would you rather the Yankees make the quote playoffs? I don't feel the wild card game is really making the playoffs and lose and have no real changes made this offseason, or would you rather them miss the playoffs and have real changes made to the team and coaching staff? I rather the latter because I can't stand to see Boone manage the team another season. Dude is clueless. Um, well, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs at this point. I think if they miss the playoffs, it would just be the latest in an epic collapse of a season. I'm not ruling it out. However, I think at this point, six games to go, you are two up on the second wild card. You can't fuck that up. Um, 
But when you're about to play them, when you're about to play them, I mean, I mean, even if you lose, even if you just win one out of three, you're pretty much securing yourself. Um, so I think that, I mean, I'm not answering this question. The it's, question, it's impossible. I mean, what is the difference between making the playoffs and just losing in the wild card game and not making the wild card? It's just one a, game of your thing. season. There's no difference there. And I if, want to see real changes regardless of what happens. If that, if there, if that is a, a determining factor in, in the, uh, in the way that the Yankees approach the offseason, then they're idiots. Bl- yeah. Go the opposite way. Joe Girardi was, you know, a, a ball bouncing a different way, a way, uh, you know, away from going to the World Series and very possibly, you know, being the favorite and winning the World Series. And he got canned the next year. So, you know, it could go both ways. The, the, I, <laughs> I, I think that the, I, part of Boone's future, I think, does uh, lie on their playoff success this year. I think if they don't make the World Series, he's, he's, there's a good chance he's gone or some significant changes are made uh, within the organization. But I think you make the World Series, like we were saying with Girardi, it's pretty hard to make those changes. It's pretty hard to look the public in the eye when the last thing they remember is the team in the World Series. Yeah, we remember April, May, June, July, August, but not everyone remembers that. Yeah, that's a long ways away, so we'll see what happens, but yeah. All right. All right, thanks all for the mailbag questions. I know we uh, had been a couple weeks without them, but keep them coming. It's always good to read them, and we will talk to you guys at some point later this week. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com